Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 56 of the Property Magic Podcast. And in this episode, I want to share with you some thoughts around the do's and don'ts of property joint ventures. Now, a property joint venture is where two or more parties come together for mutual benefit. So a typical scenario is where someone finds a really good property deal, but they don't have enough money to do the deal themselves. And someone else who has money doesn't have the time, energy or inclination to find deals. And they come a joint venture together. So someone brings the deal or does all the work, someone brings the money, and they both get to participate in a deal that they wouldn't be able to do themselves. So in theory, it's a really fantastic idea. However, there are some definite do's and don'ts around doing joint ventures, and that's what I'm going to talk about on this episode of the Property Magic Podcast. Before I dive into that, though, I think it's important to differentiate between joint ventures and private loans. Very often people mix this terminology and they are slightly different. So let's give you a little clarity around it. So first of all, a private loan is where you borrow money from someone at a fixed rate of return for a certain period of time. It might be for a year at whatever interest rate you agree, and the interest can be paid on a monthly basis or paid at the end when the loan is returned. This is great if you're putting money into a project where you can recycle the money, take it out, give it back to the person along with their interest. That's a private loan. And normally they're a fairly short transaction, six months, 12 months. It can be longer, but fairly short. And the point here is the person putting the money in, the lender, they have the priority claim on the profit. So in other words, they get their money back plus profit before you make any money. So there's kind of less risk for them, but there's always risk with any loan that you make. Then you have a joint venture. So this is where both people make money at the same time. And usually it's a longer arrangement and it could be the 50-50 scenario I suggested earlier where someone's putting in the property, someone's putting in the money, um, but it can be split in many, many different ways. Now, the really important thing about a joint venture is that when you find a joint venture partner, you make sure you have aligned vision, values and goals as that person. If you're going into business with this person in a property transaction, and essentially that's what you're doing, and it might be for a couple of years, it might be five years, it might even be 10 years on a, on a long joint venture project, you need to make sure that you get on very well with that person, you completely trust that person, and you know that if things go wrong, which they do in property, you could work with them to resolve the issues. So a little test that I often say to my mastermind delegates is that, Here's something you should run in your mind to see if you know someone well enough and if you're comfortable to be a joint venture partner with them. So the first test is, would you be happy if this person came to your home and had dinner with you and your family? And hopefully the answer is, well, of course, I'll be happy with that. If you're not happy with that, what on earth are you thinking about doing a joint venture with them for? Secondly, would you be happy for that person to come and not only stay, uh, come and have dinner, but also to stay at your home for the night. Get up in the morning, use your family bathroom and have breakfast with you and your family. 
And some of those people, well, oh, I don't know if I really want someone staying in my home because that's quite a personal, intimate thing. But you need to know this person really well. And the third test is, would you be happy for this person to come and spend an entire weekend at your home, staying with you and your family? So you're having meals together, you're going for walks together, you're talking about business, you're really getting to know them. Would you be comfortable with that? And if you're not comfortable with that, do you really know this person well enough? And I see it all the time. People get together as they may be really good friends. They think, hey, we can work together. And that's great when everything works well. But when there's a problem, that's when things unravel if you don't have the right kind of setup in the first place. And what I mean by that, you need to be crystal clear who is doing what in the joint venture. So let's say someone is going out finding the deal and they're managing it. You need to be really clear, what are they doing and when are they doing it? The person who's bringing the money in, how much are they putting in, when are they putting in? And you've got to make sure that every party in the joint venture is what we call fit for purpose. So in the past, I've done some joint ventures with people where they've bought deals to me. They've looked like really good deals. We've checked them out, they look great. And they've then said, and I'm going to project manage it for you, bring the money in. And you know, my mistake maybe we should have selected a professional full-time project manager to do it because the person's wanted to do it and they've been keen and they wanted to learn they've maybe gone on a project manage and they may not have been the best person to do that project management so you've got to make sure the person is able to deliver what they say but it's the same on the money side let's say someone says yeah i'm going to put this money in well what if they can't actually provide the money when it's required or what happens if the project costs a little bit more are they going to put their hand in their pocket or is, are both parties going to fund it so you've really got to check out each other very very well to make sure you're comfortable working together and also to make sure that you know if things do go wrong you've got some contingency planning it's really important always to have a very good joint venture agreement that stipulates in black and white who is doing what and when are they doing it and what happens if they don't do it and what happens if you fall out is there some sort of arbitration or adjudication and you know when you go into a joint venture you you think that things aren't going to go wrong. You want it to work properly. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't go into it. But sometimes in property, things do go wrong completely beyond your control. And, and we have to deal with these things. So I think it's really important to sit down and work out what you both want, what you're looking to achieve. For example, let's say you're buying a portfolio of property together. What happens if one of the partners decides they don't want to do this anymore and they want to they want to buy out. Do they do they sell the property? Well, it might not be a good time to sell. Does the other partner have to buy them out? So you need to think about the exit strategies you would use if either party wanted to leave. It might be that in five years time, you'd look at the market, consider the property and maybe liquidate the assets at that point. If that's the case, what are the criteria for that liquidation event to happen? Or what are the criteria for prolonging the joint venture for say another five years and these are the things you want to think about in advance because it's very easy to agree these things when you're best mates but when things go wrong that's sometimes when the communication breaks down and that's when you need to have thought about this in advance and as I said put it down on paper uh, do you need to get a solicitor to draw this up for you well some people do some people don't uh, I'm a big fan of using solicitors um, for purchase these options and agreements and things. Um, but I have seen that sometimes when people have done joint ventures, what's happened is they've sat down, they've agreed a deal, they both go to their own separate solicitors, and the solicitors 
job is almost to protect their client and they take so long trying to sort out the agreement etc it ends up costing lots and lots of money and actually maybe they've missed the really good deals they were looking to find and do together so just be cautious of that and be wary that actually you may or may not want to use solicitors but it's more important for you guys to sit down and make sure you're crystal clear about who is doing what now joint ventures are fantastic but there are sometimes when I don't think you should do a joint venture. Uh, the first main time is if you can do what we call momentum investing. Now, I've talked about this on previous episodes of this podcast. And the idea being that if you can buy something at a discount, if you can then add value to it, so you increase the value and then refinance it to get all the money out, well, why on earth would you want to give someone else 50% of the profit? That kind of just doesn't really work. And actually, if in that case where you can refinance and get all the money out, I think you should be doing a private loan instead of a joint venture. It's very interesting that when I speak to investors and understand the psychology is often people think, well, if someone else is putting all the money in, I have to give them something good for, I have to give away 50% of the deal. And whilst you might feel like that, that's absolutely not the case. You could just find a private lender who's happy to get a really good rate of interest and actually they get their money back before you make a single penny of profit. A lot of people like that idea and that can work really well. And I want to show you just how much a joint venture can cost you. Now, before I say that, I want to explain that if it's the difference between you doing a deal or not doing a deal, bringing a partner in, well, as long as the deal's a good deal and you've done everything I said about checking out the partner, well, it might be better to do that and do a deal rather than have 100% of nothing, okay? So I do understand that. But I just want you to be very aware of actually how much a joint venture is costing you. Because I think a lot of people get lazy, they get used to doing joint ventures where they're giving half of everything away and actually they need to step up a gear and start working more with private lenders where they're just paying an interest rate. So let's look at a hypothetical example. So let's say you find a property you can buy below market value from a motivated seller and it needs a bit of a refurb, but let's say you can buy it for £150,000 and it might be I don't know, a three-bed end terrace property. Now, by spending £60,000 on it, you might turn it into a six-bed or five-bed licensed HMO. And by doing that, obviously, you are going to be increasing the value. You're kind of, you're improving the property, putting a new kitchen in, new bathroom, en suites. You might be extending the floor space by going into the attic. So you're really adding value to this property. And let's say you increase the value such that it's now worth £300,000. So you bought it for 150, spent 60 on it, so it owes you 210, but actually you've created a value that's worth 300. In that case, you would be able to refinance that property. Now, if it's worth 300,000 and you were to get maybe a 70% loan to value mortgage, that mortgage would be 210,000, which would be enough to pay back the 60,000 pounds you've done on the refurb back to the joint venture partner and the 25% deposit that you put in to actually buy the property in the first place. Now, let's say this property makes, after refinance, a thousand pound profit per month. So you've bought it below market value, you've done the work, your refinance, given all the money back to the, the, the partner. 
Now, the JV partner is probably going to get 50% of the cash flow and 50% of the equity. It doesn't have to be 50-50, but that's often the way it works out. So what that means is, in this instance, that JV partner is going to make um, half of the cash flow. So it's £1,000 a month. They'll make £500 a month. That's £6,000 a year. Plus, you're giving them half of the equity. So the value is 300,000, the mortgage is 210, so therefore the difference between 300 and 210 is 90,000. So the equity in this property that you've created is 90,000 pounds. So they're gonna get half of it, so 45,000 in equity, and then 6,000 pounds a year from the cash flow for as long as you own that property. Now, that property that's maybe worth 300,000 once you've done the refurb, in 10 years time, potentially that property could double in value to £600,000. So there'll be an increase in, in value from 300 up to 600 because it's doubling in value. That's a £300,000 capital gain. And if you're giving that capital gain to half of it to the joint venture partner, they're getting a further £150,000 in equity. Now, Obviously, it's worth saying that you had £45,000 of equity, which you didn't have before you did the deal. You've also had £6,000 a month, uh, sorry, £6,000 a year cash flow that you didn't have before you did it. So let's not forget those factors. And you would also share 50% of the uplift. So you would have 150000 that you wouldn't have normally had. Okay, so I do acknowledge all of that. But let's just add all of this up and see how much you've actually given away to that JV partner. So you've given them 45k of initial equity. You've got then maybe another £150,000 of equity as the property's doubled over the, the 10 years. That's 290, uh, sorry, 195, 150 plus 45. And then you've given them 6,000 a year for 10 years. That's 60,000. So add that onto the 195. That's actually £255,000 that you've given away to someone else. That's almost £25,000 a year you're giving away to a joint venture partner. Now, as I said before, sometimes joint ventures are fantastic. And if you don't have any experience, but you found a good deal, you might have to JV at first because the person put the money might want more out of it. But the point I'm trying to make, particularly if you are a more experienced investor and you've been doing lots of JVs, is I want you to realize just how much a JV is costing you. And in fact, doing a private loan, even if you're paying a really high interest rate, might be far more profitable in the long term than giving away half of your assets. And so actually, if you want to move up to a more experienced investor, a natural progression is to go from joint ventures into private loans. I'm not saying you shouldn't still be doing joint ventures. Sometimes it's not just about someone bringing the money. They might be bringing expertise and skill, and that's really valuable as well. But I just want you to consider what you're doing. And I know many investors get to the very comfortable place where they're doing joint ventures. They're giving away half of their profits because that's what people think they need to do. And actually, it's cost them a real fortune. So that's what I want to do on this podcast, get you to really think about that. Um, and yeah, there is a time and a place for joint ventures, absolutely. But don't fall into the trap where you're always doing them and not thinking about private loans. Now, when it comes to raising private finance, you might think, yeah, but I don't want to speak to people about you know, using their money for private loans. It's not that different to when you've done a joint venture. It's not that much harder, but it is a slightly different skill set. 
Now I've put together some training all about this. There's gonna be a link in the show notes where you can come and sign up for some online training about how to raise private finance. And I think that might be really useful for you. Until next time, I'd like to encourage you to invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.